Thanks so much, Vival. That was uh, not only a, a very, very beautiful song, but uh, so heartfelt and so encouraging to, to so many people as well. Jason, I forgot to tell you one thing earlier. Uh, could you take my vocals out of the, the monitor here now, please? I'm getting my, myself right back at me. The singers don't seem to mind that, but uh, it's not so great when you're speaking. Okay, well, good morning, everyone. Uh, it's great to, to see you here today, uh, both river crossers and, and guests alike. If you're a guest here today, I hope you feel very comfortable and very welcomed. So we're pretty good people, good group of people most of the time anyways. So uh, anyways, I hope you have a great morning with us here and get to, to meet several people before you leave. Okay, I want to wish you all a happy anniversary today. Did you know it was our anniversary? This Sunday, yeah. This Sunday is our third anniversary here at River Cross Church. Our first Sunday in this facility was the first Sunday in August in 2013. So, so happy anniversary, church family. <clears throat> How many of you guys out there get a, a honey-do list? A few of you, maybe? Okay, well... I was at my cottage a few weeks ago, and I still had a, about a week's vacation left. My wife um, started to talk to me just about a few of the honeydew things we needed to do when we returned home. So I, so I oh so, like, oh so very gently, you know, just reminded her, you know, sweetie, when we go home, you still have the whole rest of the summer off. But when I go home, I have to go right back to work. But not only that, I've got a sermon to write as soon as I get home. So she paused and looked back at me and said, Keep it short, they'll like that. <laughs> so who knows, the sermon today might be shorter than my honey-do list. <laughs> might have embellished a little bit. When I was doing my master's degree in Louisville, Kentucky, I had a piano prof who instilled in us so much wisdom so many things were intended for our music classes, but they ended up being lessons that we could use in so many ways in life in general. I was in his arranging class one time, and he was talking about, about how we were supposed to go about arranging certain pieces of music. And he gave us this advice. He said, there ain't nothing new under the sun. There ain't nothing new under the sun. He said that, that he didn't want us to look for brand new, never heard before harmonies or arrangements. He told us to look at what others had done, to see their chord progressions, and start with something familiar, something known. And from there, we could create something that was unique, something that was good. And I think that has a life lesson for us as well. Sometimes we look for things that are brand new, things that we haven't seen or heard of, when we already know a whole lot of stuff, we have lots of knowledge, often what we need to do in life is take the knowledge or the stuff that we already know and do something good with it. So this message is under the ain't nothing new under the sun category. It's nothing you haven't already heard from me. It involves things you probably already know. But hopefully it will challenge you to take some action to do something with the knowledge and with the passions you have. Okay, that's uh, a little long introduction, but um, <clears throat> we'll get on with some other, some other stuff now. We had a great event begin on Friday. How many of you saw the opening to the Rio Olympics? 
All right. It's a great show. Well, these next three weeks, we're going to be celebrating the Olympics. We're going to root for athletes, and we're going to learn or reinforce some spiritual concepts through sport. Thus, our backdrop here that, that Matt has designed and prepared for us, and several others as well. So I've got a little assignment for you. As you watch the Olympics these next few weeks, or even see highlights of the games in the news, look for inspirational moments that can inspire people and nations to greater things, to greater love, to greater compassion and acceptance. Sports inspires people. Whether or not you're an athlete, whether or not you follow sports, participates in sports, put up with sports, or turn the channels every time sports comes on, still, sports has a way of, of, of making its way into our society and culture, into who we are as Canadians and into who we are as individuals. The Bible has a lot to say about sport, and it often compares our, journey, our Christian journey to that of a race. Hebrews 12, verse 11 says, You don't enjoy being disciplined. It always seems to cause more pain than joy. But later on, those who learn from that discipline have peace that comes from doing what is right. Strengthen your tired arms and weak knees. Keep walking along straight paths so that your injured leg won't get worse. Instead, let it heal. And a, a famous uh, verse in the Bible, Paul says, you've all been to the stadium and seen athletes race. Everyone runs, one wins. He says, run to win. All good athletes train hard. They do it for a gold medal that tarnishes and fades. You're after one that's gold eternally. I don't know about you, but I'm running hard for the finish line. I'm giving it everything I got. No sloppy living for me. I'm staying alert and in top condition. I'm not going to get caught napping, telling everyone else all about it, and then missing out myself. And from 2 Timothy 4, I have fought the good fight. I have finished the race. I have kept the faith. Now there is in store for me the crown of righteousness, which the Lord, the righteous judge, will award to me on that day. And not only to me, but also to all who longed for his appearing. And one more that probably applies even more to, to this message than any other, Hebrews 12. We must run the race that lies ahead of us and never give up. We must focus on Jesus, the source and the goal of our faith. In an address to athletes in 1987, a world religious leader spoke with great warmth and understanding about sports as a window upon our nature as human beings. He said, sport, as you well know, is an activity that involves more than move the movement of the body. It demands the use of intelligence, the developing of the will. It reveals, in other words, the wonderful structure of the human person created by God as a spiritual being. A unity of body and spirit. Athletic activity can help every man and woman to recall the moment when God the Creator gave origin to the human person, the masterpiece of his created work. Today we're looking at sport and especially at the Olympics. As the world is watching real, we're going to celebrate and root for our athletes and root for our country. And we're going to enjoy some medal moments now. We have a medal moment already, a bronze medal last night. Isn't that great?
in, uh, re in ladies' relay swimming. They did an exceptional job. And as well, we're going to learn some life and some spiritual lessons from some of the events and situations as they unfold in this wonderful event that we call the Olympics. Today we're going to look at a race, but this race is going to take a little, a little different twist. So stay with me, okay? People have asked me over the years what my favorite part of my job is, and I'd have to say, it's a coffee. <laughs> Besides that, I would have to say that my favorite part of my job is, is seeing people as they leave on Sunday morning, seeing them encouraged for the week ahead. People sometimes talk to me about the message and how much it, it meant to them and encouraged them and just how, how good of a job Pastor Rob did in communicating that. And I see people who have truly found freedom in worshiping God. A few weeks ago, one person said to me as they were leaving, they said, that does it. That does it. I'm not going to miss church anymore. I need this in my life. It's so encouraging to me. When I see the Church of God gathering each week to worship and to encourage one another, and when I see people leaving refreshed and inspired, there are a few things more rewarding. And there's some, something else that's especially rewarding to me too. When I see people, the Church, encouraging and caring for one another, when I see people taking time to talk and to pray with one another, or laugh together, or to go out for coffee or lunch together, when I see the church being the church to one another, there's nothing more gratifying to me as a pastor. People helping people through the ups and downs of life. People doing life together. There's nothing more gratifying to me, and there's nothing that is a greater witness to our community. Every one of us is in a race. We're all on the journey of life. There was a starting point, and there's a finish line, and all the space in between is called life. How we run this race and how we interact with other runners determines a lot about our character and our motives and our strategies. We can run this race solo, but you know that's not what we're meant to do. This race is more of a team event, like the swimming event last night more like a relay. We can cheer each other on as we excel at the race and eventually cross the finish line. And we can help each other as well along the way. And we need to encourage each other to keep on going. In the 1992 Barcelona Summer Olympics, Derek Redman from the United States was a favorite to win gold of the 400 meter sprint. It was 24 years ago on Friday. 150 meters into the race, he felt severe pain in his leg as he tore his hamstring. This video will tell the rest of the story.
my soul so weary when troubles come and my heart burdened be then I am still and wait here in the silence until you come and sit a while with me you raise me up so I can stand on mountains you raise me up stormy seas I am strong when I am on your shoulders raise me up to more than I can be this race. Today I have a question for you. Who are you helping to the finish line? Who are you helping to the finish line? And I'll help you clarify that a bit in your mind. To whom are you showing godly love and compassion? Who are you helping with daily chores or activities? Who are you sharing your life and time with? Who appreciates your time and concern? Who do you cook for, visit, or spend time with? Who do you comfort? To whom do you do the things that no one expects you to do, but you do them anyways because you see a need, and you know that that isn't right? It shouldn't be like that. People shouldn't have to live that way. Do you spend time with someone who is lonely? Do you surprise someone with your visits or phone calls? Who would truly miss you if you were gone? I'm a pastor and I see a lot of needs. I see a lot of hurting and lonely people. I'm one of four pastors here, and we all do our best to meet the needs we can, but pastors are not the church. You are the church. We as pastors can only do so much. But then again, I know that God puts someone very special on my heart, too. I may see a person, a situation, and know that I can do something to make that better. 
I may see someone who is lonely with no family and few, few friends. And then I looked at the vast resource of the River Cross Church and say, you know, it doesn't need to be like that. I can do something. We can do something to help in this situation. I can help them finish the race. We have several examples of ways that people in our church have come alongside others and helped them across the finish line. In one of my former messages a few years back, I shared a story about someone from our church who helped a friend who was in the same apartment building who had cancer. He attended medical appointments with her, cooked meals, provided comfort and company, and even led her to faith before she finally passed. It's truly an incredible story. A few weeks back here, Community Outreach Sunday, we heard from Joanne, who told us how Jane Howlett had, had come alongside her. They became good friends and shared a lot together. And Jane taught Joanne how to read and write. And on that day, Joanne stood right where I am right now and read scripture. Some of you may know this face from the past. Ray was a choir member and was involved in music ministries. Ray was my buddy. And when he got Alzheimer's, we started hanging out more together. I would take him out for coffee, and I'd take him on some errands that I had to do just to get him out of the house more. Ray died on my birthday, and I had the privilege to conduct his funeral. We had a lot of laughs, a lot of tears. Maybe I had opportunity to help Ray across the finish line, but I know for certain that he helped me through my race as well. Maybe he was blessed by my company, but I know I was certainly blessed by him. We've had opportunity here at River Cross Church to be involved with at least four refugee families as well. We provided meals for new refugees as they were waiting for housing. And many of you have also been part of welcome teams who have helped other families in the city here as well. The love and care shown towards these families have been so needed to help them settle after so many uncertain years. And it's been such a witness to our community as well. We have helped and we are helping them toward the finish line. Again, when we have opportunity to help people in these situations like this, the blessing really is all ours. When I was in school, I had a church in Louisville, Kentucky. There was an older lady that I got really close to. Her name was Jean McCubbins. Jean McCubbins. If she sounds like a big lady, she was. We would chat and we laughed together. We really, really enjoyed each other's company. And we really connected together. One day during an event, I asked her for the coffee whitener. And she thought that was the funniest thing ever. She had never heard of that. I guess they call it creamer down there. So one trip home, I got her the biggest jar of no-name coffee whitener that I could get. It said right across it in big letters, coffee whitener. And as she purchased new coffee mates, she would always pour it in, into this one container as a remembrance of her friendship. I used to call her once in a while and check in with her. One day when I called, the phone had been disconnected. I found out later that she had passed away. Not totally unexpected, I suppose, but, but still I asked myself, why did I have to wait for a year or so before I called her? There are many things in life that we put off. I don't know why relationships seem to be the first thing that gets put on the back burner. Why is that? If you have someone you need to call, if you have some encouragement to give to someone, if you have someone you need to connect with, don't put it off. 
Relationships are too important for that. I have two particular situations that I don't think I'll ever forget. One was fairly recent when I was visiting someone who was was somewhat confused and, and they knew it. And they were trying to make sense of things and they knew that for them, it just didn't make sense right now. But then they would look at me and said, oh, but I'm so glad I have you. Now, I didn't do very much. I was just there at that particular time. There was another time I was asked to, to bring a lady to friendly fellowship and then take her home. I was helping her into her house later and she was unlocking the door. I was standing behind her when all of a sudden I felt her leaning back and she leaned back more and more. Then over her right shoulder I saw her leg coming up <laughs> and she just leaned back there for some, for some awkward seconds. I quite didn't know what to say or do. But we just stood there for several seconds, which seemed like an eternity. And then, finally, she quietly said, I'm glad you're there. I was glad I was there, too. Who can say of you, I'm glad you're there? I'm so glad I have you. Who would be in a more difficult situation in life if you weren't there? As I said earlier in the message, this is nothing new. We all know that we need to help each other. But today, I'm going to call you to do something about it. Don't call a year from now, only to find out that the phone has been disconnected. If you have somebody to call, call them today. Don't put off for weeks people whom you can visit or help today or this coming week. And look at the longer term. This isn't a sprint, it's a marathon. Who can you help for the long term? Who can you create relationships with and nurture and grow together? Sometimes it may seem like I'm only talking about about senior adults here. Well, that's not the case at all. There are people of all ages, from children and youth, young adults, young families, right up to seniors who need someone to come alongside them and help them maybe for a while, maybe for much of the race. We call ourselves a beautiful community here. We have all generations represented. We need to be friends with all generations here as well. If, you don't have, if you're a senior and you don't have any friends that are, um, uh, that, are, that are youth or children, okay, hang out with them a bit. Get to know them. Okay, they'll really enjoy that. And the same if you're in the younger generation and you don't know anybody in other generations. We're a beautiful community, and I hope we can share together in that way. Remember the scripture too from Hebrews 12 where it says we must run the race that lies ahead of us. We must never give up. Received a little piece of paper as you came into the worship center here. It just has uh, a place, my name and the the sermon title on it is is all it is. Uh, It's it's really too small for paper airplanes. So I'm going to give you another use for it. I want you to take it now if you have a pencil or a pen, or maybe you can borrow some from somebody beside you, I want you to write on it a name or names of people that you need to help along their race. Maybe it's someone that you have connected with before. Maybe it's someone that you can form a relationship and help them for a while or for the long haul along their race. Maybe you need to think about it for a while, and that's okay too. But when you're done, I want you to fold the paper and pull it, put it in your wallet or your purse or your pocket. Remember to pray for them each day and allow God to lead you in ways so that you can be a godly influence and help to them. 
so you can be the hands and the feet of Christ to them. You know, as we help others towards the finish line, who knows, maybe we're paying it forward. Maybe someday we will need a hand, some help, some care, and concern before we reach our finish line. Don't get me wrong, that's not why we do this. We don't do things so that we can get other things back in return. That's not, that shouldn't be our motive at all. It's reward enough just to spend time with someone and help them finish the race. So I've asked a question. Who are you helping across the finish line? Who are you willing to leave the stands for, to jump the fence, to break through security, to come to their aid and help them when they need it? To whom do you say, it doesn't need to be this way. I can help. I can make a difference. I can do something about this. I can help you to the finish line. Amen. I was wondering how to close this message today, and I found this reading, and I want us to, to read it all together as a closing prayer and as a commitment that we are in this race together. Let's stand together. Let's read what you see on the screen here. God, we cannot race through this journey alone. We need each other. God, we cannot sustain ourselves throughout this race. We need each other. God, we cannot finish this race on our own. We need each other. Amen. You may be seated.